Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets, no, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese, or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. morning everyone wake up it is currently 7 a.m on saturday january 20th 2018 welcome to this edition of blah 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 i am don tony as always want to thank you very much for listening now i know a lot of you out there are going to be like jesus christ 7 a.m you're doing this look i do episodes of blah 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 usually around 10 a.m. on a Saturday, 12 noon, 1 p.m. You know, it's during that time is usually when I do it. But because my body is so used to getting up at 5 a.m., you know, to have my coffee, get my emails, prepare my paperwork, go to the office for eight. Sometimes when I wake up on a Saturday and a Sunday, I'll just get up at 5 a.m. And no matter how hard I try, that sounds like an old hip-hop song. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Was it African Bombada? I think it was. But no matter how hard I try, sometimes I can't fall back asleep. So I'm up here. I figured, why not give you an episode? Got a lot of stuff on my mind. You know, that's one thing that I always do in the middle of the night. And anybody out there that does a podcast, you really should try this. And I kid you not, because you will have moments that this will happen. How many of us have slept and woke up in the middle of the night and had a brainstorm, a thought, a comment, or something that you're like, holy shit, that's a great idea to talk about on my podcast or talk about on a topic. And then you go back to sleep and you forget it the next day. I can't tell you how many times over the years that happened to me. And now what I do is when I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a brainstorm thought, it could be something ridiculously dumb. I have a piece of paper and I have a pen right alongside my bed and I jot it down. And then I go back to sleep. And many times I have gotten up, looked at the piece of paper. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I realize, oh, shit, that's right. I got up in the middle of the night. Because I'll give you an example, you know, talking about the wall. All right. And if you're new to the show, let me just give a little quick disclaimer. You know, if you're listening, you probably have listened to my wrestling shows. I've been podcasting and doing hotlines for 20 years now. And for well over a decade, I had so many of you out there telling me, hey, Don Tony, do a baseball podcast, do a football podcast, do news, do something, you know, do something that's not wrestling related. Because for 20 years, 
The shows that I did were primarily wrestling related. Yeah, I threw in news, sports, politics, pop culture, personal stories, blah, 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 blah. But never took the time to do a show that featured nothing but wrestling. Now, obviously, if something wrestling related becomes a main news story, I'll cover it on blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, this show features everything but wrestling. And by the way, you know, I could have saved the Roman Reigns steroid accusation, or I like to call it just a name drop because that's really all it is. I don't care how much production Johnny Bravo wants to do on his YouTube and, you know, to try to feel like he's becoming famous. You know, the guy's a fucking gossipist. That's really it. Then I got to be so careful when I talk about him or R Richard Rodriguez, who I like to call Dick for short. You know, you never know with some of these matarazzis that they could just call a lawyer, try to sue you, defamation, this, this, and that. So everything I do is always an opinion show. <clears throat> but I would, could have saved that story for here because Mark Wahlberg's name was name-dropped and others, but since I did Breakfast with Blossie on Wednesday and that bullshit story broke at that time, I decided, you know what, let me put it up on there. So if you haven't listened to my commentary yet, on the name dropping of Roman Reigns, Mark Wahlberg, and his $10 million steroid scandal that's going on, please go out of your way and listen to what I had said on blah, blah, blah about it because you're going to hear a shitload of information that you have not heard anywhere else. I know you have listened to other podcasts, whether it's professionals or it's amateurs or wannabes or just whatever, whoever it is, and they'll tell you, we're going to tell you stuff that you've never heard before. First, no, believe it or not, I do my research. I really, really research my shit before I get into some topics. So go out of your way and listen to it. I think it's very informative. So as I said moments ago, middle of the night, I'll just have a little thought about something and, you know, something that I want to remember and I'll jot it down and, you know, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but it helps. Case in point, you know, it's no secret that our government is currently shut down. I'm doing this right now, Saturday morning. They, uh, they did not pass continuing resolution in the Senate yesterday to continue funding the government, even for a short amount of time. Look, it, it, both sides of the aisle, Democrat and Republican are fucked up right now. But it's no secret that the Democrats are the reason why the government is shut down right now. They are trying to push this DACA deal through at all costs and are using the current situation to capitalize on it. And, you know, before I even give my thoughts on that, you know, one of the things that President Trump wants to put through is funding for a wall. Now, me, I'm fine if it's just a fence. I'm fine if it only covers a few hundred miles. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to have it in every single area across the border. So I'm flexible with that. Of course, he's got to use the term wall because it's his catchphrase. It's what he's ran on and everybody's got build up wall, build that wall. Me, I, I'd be happy with a fence. But the thing is, is you hear Democrats now over and over and over again saying, you know, we live in 2018. 
You want to use a primitive idea where in this day and age you can have um, infrared, you could have security cameras, you could have this and that and this. So we're using a primitive idea in a technologically advanced world. How many times have you heard that? How many of you actually felt that way? And in the middle of the night, I don't know why, maybe because I left the TV on in the background, but I woke up with a split second and I said to myself, you know what? Yeah, a wall idea is still primitive, but it's an obstacle. It's a fucking obstacle. All right, sure. Infrared and other uh, forms you know, of security can be used that are better than a wall cheaper possibly than a wall and simpler to incorporate than a wall. But why do you still want the wall? Because it's an added obstacle. If you're going to have people that are going to try to cross the border and they figure out a way, uh, I figured out a way to break the infrared or we go here at 3.42 a.m. and the, 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 the border patrol goes to take pee-pee. Yeah, so so let's do this at this time, and if we could zap the infrared and he go take pee pee, we could break through the border. Now, if you do that and you show up, ah, fuck, there's a fence also, and you make a little noise as you climb in the fence. Uh, the border patrol turns around, and, you know, you know, he's taking the piss, and what the fuck? What do I hear? So you want the wall as an added obstacle. The more obstacles you have, the more of a chance you have people that say, fuck it, going back home. And the one thing that you don't hear over and over, that's not what we are. That's not what we're about. That this, that. What is the wall trying to prevent? It's not trying to prevent legal immigrants from crossing. It's trying to stop further illegal immigration it's trying to stop drugs that's what it is so oh but it doesn't look right it that's not who we are fuck that shit you have fences in front of your houses you got walls you got locks on your doors you don't want people who shouldn't be in your premises there All right, stop with this fucking political correctness shit. No, it doesn't have to be a massive wall. It doesn't have to be the whole entire border, but add it as an obstacle to prevent people that aren't supposed to be here who are trying to put drugs across to our country and give an added obstacle where everything combined, they could be like, eh, fuck it, ain't going home. So that was my thought while I was sleeping. Obstacle. It's an added obstacle. You, so I figured I'd just mention everyone. So now, look, a majority of the show is not going to be political. I know there's a lot of you Trump haters out there that have been waiting to hear my thoughts on his comments, calling Haiti a shithole, my, and wanted my view on it. If you follow me on Twitter, at Don Tony D, I kind of gave you the abbreviated answer already. So uh, a lot of you want to know my thoughts on that and, you know, my thoughts on DACA. So let's get those two things out of the way. And then I'll talk about what happened to me yesterday at my office. Now, if you already follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D, or if you check out the Facebook page that I have for the shows, facebook.com slash DTKC show. If you checked it out in the last 18 hours, you already know what happened. Uh, but for all of you out there that don't want to see me dead, but once in a while you want me to be inconvenienced, 
I got inconvenienced yesterday, everybody, and I swear on a stack of Bibles, I swear on my mother, all right? And I know when I do that, some of you get a little uncomfortable, and some of you out there that don't even understand, why do you swear on your mother? I don't get that. I, I've told this story before. Me, I'm an Italian, Catholic, grew up in a, a stable family home, and my mother instilled in me throughout my life that you shouldn't lie. My father instilled in me throughout my life that you shouldn't lie. And my father used to have a different way to explain it to me. If you lie, then you got to put a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie. And then sometimes you're going to slip up, slip up, and you're not going to remember what the... So you know, I just realized sometimes, and I've lied. I'm not going to lie to you. I've lied over the years. But I've realized that I can't keep a straight face sometimes. And I also realized that if you do lie and then you got to add to that lie and you got to cover it up with something else, it's just not worth it. I'd rather just be honest with everyone. And I'm comfortable in my skin that if I tell you something, even if you don't like the answer I'm giving you, that there's enough of you out there that, that will respect my feelings on something just as I respect all of you. And that is something that is so missing in this country, in this world right now, that the minute you disagree with someone, you're labeled this, 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 you're hated. Wait until I talk about the story involving this teacher in the UK, Joshua Sutcliffe. And I know my listeners right now that live overseas know the story as soon as I mention that name. And it's a story that's been ongoing since November, but there was updates the last couple of days. And the the latest tweet response to this story is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. I'll, I'll talk about that story a little bit later. Um, so, but getting back to DACA, I have said repeatedly from day one that I am in support of keeping these DACA uh, kids who are now adults, a lot of them, keep them in the country, all right? Not necessarily give them total amnesty, but, you know, let them apply for, uh, you know, a special identification card or something that allows them to stay in the country, all right? I don't like this idea well, they should be special circumstances that if they do commit a severe crime, they get deported to their native country. No, you got to remember, the whole idea of DACA was that they were brought in in this country as kids, babies for the most part, young, young, young kids, three, four years old, illegally with their parents. So the only country that they know is the United States. So if the parents came across the border illegally from Mexico with a two-year-old, and now the two-year-old is a 25-year-old, I don't want it that, oh, if the 25-year-old commits a major crime, that they should be deported into Mexico, all right? They've been in this country 99% of their life. I think they would go to jail in this country like everybody else, all right? So they should come out with some type of a different identification that shows that you are not born in this country, that you weren't in here illegally. You know, you weren't in here legally originally, but you get here and you get the papers and you get approved and you have, you know, citizenship here. And I understand that there are lots of people, I know people personally, that did it the right way. They applied, they spent crazy money, they waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. 
And, you know, some of them got their papers and some of them are still waiting. You know, I when they come in to get car insurance and I see the, I, the driver's license, temporary visitor, and then, you know, I hear their whole story. They're trying to do it the right way. I totally understand people that do it the right way would get a little annoyed that there's exception being done for DACA. But again, these people were brought into this country at an almost infant infancy age. So honestly, you know, I, I'm all for DACA. But what's happening with the Democrats right now is so obvious. I just don't understand why so many professional shows out there just don't call it like it is in one show and just that's it. They got to, you know, insinuate this and tease this and say this. Here's what it comes down to, all right? It's no secret that the black community votes Democrat like 90% of the time, maybe even more. It's no secret that Hispanics, you know, immigrants, you know, Latinos, Muslims, that they favor Democrat over Republican by a huge margin. So in a lot of states, there are a lot of elections where people, the, the decision comes down to a couple of hundred votes, a couple of thousand votes, and it happens a lot. And you're not just talking about 900,000 DACA recipients staying in this country. People estimate it to be more towards around 4 million. And when you hear the Democrats saying, we need to finish DACA, we need to do DACA, we need to do DACA, we need to do DACA, that's 4 million votes or a majority of them that would go to Democrats' way. Now, it's not just them. They're fellow Mexicans, Latinos of the same origin who may be here legally. You know, they are happy of what the Democrats are doing for their fellow, you know, man who was slighted and mistreated and this and that over the years. So they favor Democrats even more. And Chuck Schumer is not a fool. He is a very intelligent man. Even though I don't like him and don't agree with most of his stuff, he is very smart. But our president is very smart too. And trust me, this is not a Trump kissing ass parade. I am going to criticize our president in a little bit. But I'll just summarize this quickly. And again, it pisses me off that shows out there just won't say it in blunt, plain English for people to understand easily. And I know some of you out there are going to not only agree with what I say, are probably going to feel the same way. If you followed Chuck Schumer lately, he has been repeatedly saying, let's do a clean DACA bill. DACA on its own. DACA, 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 DACA. And we'll go along with the continuing resolution every day, but let's get DACA done. Let's get done. And all you hear the last 24 hours is, wow, you know, Chuck Schumer wants to put DACA, you know, yes, they came here illegally to no fault of their own, but they came here illegally. You're putting illegal immigrants in front of the military, in front of poor kids' health care. And that's not being political. If you look at the bill yesterday of what was in it, there was a shitload of stuff that was in there to help this country. And yes, it was just a, a, a temporary funding until February, but still kept, you know, everything running. And you're saying to yourself, why is he constantly putting this small group of illegals in front of the military, in front of this, in front of that? 
And what makes matters worse is that the bill yesterday that the Democrats did not vote for, there was like five or six Democrats that did. But why did, you know, 99% of Democrats uh, say vote no? Everything in the bill, they're fine with. They are fine and happy with just about everything in the bill. So why would they vote no for a bill that they approve? Because they're holding the government hostage to do DACA. And here's where Schumer is a genius. But I don't think it's going to work. I think it's going to backfire. In fact, I think it's going to come to a point where they're going to realize that this could backfire seriously. And within a couple of days, everything will be signed in in, uh, the Senate and we will get a continuing resolution. Mark my words, a continuing resolution will happen in a couple of days. The Democrats are going to cave in because they are fearing. They are fearing that when they have their midterms in 2018 later this year, you're going to see commercial after commercial after commercial that this person did not vote to keep, you know, poor kids' health care going, did not vote for the tax plan, did not vote for this, did not vote for that. And how many of us out there are going to turn around and look at all that and say, yeah, but you know what? They really push for DACA. And yeah, I got, that's why they got my vote. You know, you know what I mean? So you ask yourself, what is he trying to do? What he's trying to do is he's trying, his idea is to get the government to do a clean DACA bill now where he gets what he wants, DACA gets passed, and Trump ain't stupid. The minute DACA is passed, now they'll balk at everything else. So Schumer thinks that he could get a clear, complete, separate DACA bill and with the with the promise and that, oh, we could all work together in the future and this and that, as soon as they get that fucking DACA bill, they ain't going along with almost anything with the Republican agenda. They didn't go with the tax deal. You look at the amount of jobs that Apple is bringing back into this country, the hundreds of billions of dollars that they're going to pay in taxes. Taxes! Remember, they want $20 billion to fund the wall. That money that Apple's going to pay in taxes could pay for that wall, pay for this, pay for that, all because of the tax deal. So, the tax deal is definitely helping about 85% of Americans. There's nothing that we can approve in the government that's going to help 100% of Americans. It's not. Because as a lot of people realize now, nothing is really free. You know, several years ago, when you had that girl from college, I don't remember her name, and she wanted all women to have free birth control as part of their health plan, and we saw all these rallies, free birth control, free birth control, they got it. But their fucking premiums went up 70 bucks a month. Seriously. and But nobody stops to use that simple common sense, hey, you want free thing? Yeah, we'll give it to you. And then you find out your bill went up $20 a month. Did you really get it free? Hey, man, I got this, 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 and that, but I think we should be entitled for this free. Uh, we should have this free. Yeah, we're entitled to this. We should have this free. All right, you got it free. And then six months later, oh, we're just letting you know we're increasing your policy by 40 bucks. Not only did it end up not being free, but you probably end up paying extra for it. So nothing in this world is really free. You know, and so, you know, I, people wanted my thoughts on that whole deal with the DACA and the government shutdown. There you go. Now, 
As far as President Trump calling Haiti a shithole and some of the other impoverished countries, all right, was it racist? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm not defending him, you know, as far as him not being a racist, okay? He is a billionaire. He he reacts to cops. He reacts to military. He reacts to the indigent. He reacts to human beings. He doesn't react to color, all right? That's why when you hear him say, you know, when he's doing his rallies and he says, oh, I love the African-American to hear, or, you know, blacks for Trump. He'll just say it like that, blacks for Trump. You know, he's going along with it, but he just looks at everybody the same. And he looks at everything almost by dollars and cents. And the thing is, is that, and look, everybody be honest with yourself right now. Yes, there are some of you out there who are extremely, extremely intelligent. But really, if I had you on this show and spurred a moment without giving you any time to prepare, prepare, and I said to you, name me five countries outside of the United States who are very, very poor or corrupt, okay? And you would come up with countries that would either, for the most part, be black or possibly Muslim. I don't know if you would do a country that's predominantly white. Seriously. You're going to say Africa, Haiti, or you you might use Iran, North Korea. You understand what I'm saying? So when he called them shithole countries, it's not that, oh, they were all you know black or they were all this. No, if you take the, the, the regular person out there and ask them about impoverished countries who have massive, you think of Ethiopia from many years ago. How many ridiculously horrible Ethiopian jokes came out? You know, when you thought of poor, you thought of Ethiopia. And we had, you know, um, big time concerts to help victims in poverty over the years. And there's been so much good But there's also a shitload of corruption. When everybody was in such an uproar, when President Trump called Haiti a shithole, where was this uproar? Several years ago, when they had the earthquakes and the disaster, and then you see articles like the 2015 article talking about the Red Cross that raised a half a billion dollars and they only built six homes. What about all of the millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that Bill Clinton raised for Haiti and the money disappeared? You go online, and I'm not bashing Clinton right now. I'm proving a point. You go online before the elections even happened, before Hillary even ran for president or announced she was running for president. You will see video after video after video of Haitians in Manhattan, in the Bronx, in other states, talking about where's all the money that was raised for Haiti. I donated to Haiti. Remember, you know, text 10210 and, you know, you donate $10 to Haiti. Remember all of that? They raised billions of dollars for Haiti. And you look at that country right now and you tell me, where all that money went. Where was the uproar for all of these years of that money being gone? So when he said, why uh, so many people from these shithole countries want to come here? You know, it's not racist, but 
I do not approve in what he said. All right. Yes, he uses vulgar language. All presidents do. But you don't justify bad, tasteless language with other bad, tasteless language. What I honestly think President Trump should have done. In his heart, he did not mean it towards the Haitians. He talked about the overall country. He talked about the overall infrastructure. He talked about the overall corruption. He did not talk about Haitians themselves. The ones that want to come here are not the ones doing the corruption. They're not the ones who are committing the crimes. They're trying to escape poverty. They're trying to escape a shithole country. The problem is, is that Donald Trump is just not thorough like that. And Donald Trump, if there was one thing that I wished he would do, no, I would not make him stop tweeting. And I'll explain why in a moment. But what I wish Donald Trump would do once in a while, apologize. You don't have to go against what you said, but apologize. Just go out there and say, look, to the Haitians out there, I'm sorry if it came across that I was talking about you. I'm talking about the corruption. I'm talking about the infrastructure. I'm talking about the billions of dollars that were just never made it to the people. I understand why you want to come here. You want to escape the poverty. You want to escape the corruption. There is nothing wrong. It's, he can't just add another tweet and use that as a way of clarification. There is nothing wrong with him saying, listen, if it, was, if it came across that I was talking about individual Haitians, I'm sorry, I did not mean it that way. I wish he would do that. I don't know if he will, but you know, you, you see so many people that of color that know him personally and they will tell you up and down. He's not racist. He's not racist. He's not racist. Just like the doctor this week that said he's in great health. You have all these other doctors who never treated the president, who never examined the president saying, Oh, he's senile. He's this, he's dementia. This, this is that. But yet the one doctor that actually can claim that he examined the president, everybody tries to dispute him. So I put credence in those who are directly involved with situations. I put credence in the doctor that examined him. I put credence in the people who have worked with him. Okay. Uh, is he, is he a fucking saint? No, he's done, you know, questionable shit over the years, but you know, I just don't think he was intending to be racist with that. He's not a stupid man. But again, I wish he would apologize. Now, as far as the tweeting goes, the reason why I do not want him to stop tweeting at all. And and I think if people just explained it simple like this, there would really be no argument going forward. CNN, MSNBC, fake news, if you want to call it that, you know why they all are upset with his tweeting? why they try to make it sound like the most fucked up shit ever. Because if they can get him to stop tweeting, then the only source you have as far as information is the news media for the most part. And 95% of the news media 
are write all these crazy stories about him. They don't not like him. I mean, they do not like him. They despise the man. So could you imagine the the view of Trump in everybody's eyes if he didn't tweet? We would have to depend solely, for the most part, on news media. And when you realize that black unemployment is at its lowest in decades, when you realize that, you know, trillions of dollars have come into this country, you know, they've been made through the stock market. When you realize the amount of jobs and, you know, the economy and the tax breaks and all the people, a lot of these news organizations are not reporting that. So his tweeting is his way of letting everybody know, reminding them. You see the fake news awards? I thought it was stupid. But it got so much attention, and now he posted all of the stories that he said were fake news. And although some of the people that were on that list did apologize for their articles and probably didn't deserve to be on that list, now everybody out there that looks at that list that may have believed half of those stories before now realize they were fake news. There's a photo going around right now of Donald Trump playing golf. And they write, you know, 239 pounds with a question mark. And you see him with this big stomach. And they're like, how the fuck is this guy only 239 pounds? And this is a photo that is floating around everywhere. And they're calling it the uh, Gerther movement. Because remember, the whole Bertha controversy with Obama, you know, Trump and others, accusing Obama of not being born in this country. Why don't you just show the birth certificate? Why don't you just show the birth certificate? Well, they're calling this thing with Trump the girther movement because of his girth. And this photo that's floating around, you know, Trump looks like a fucking obese bastard. And, you know, they write 239 pounds. There's no way. The problem is, is that his face was photoshopped on a golfer's body. That body is not his. They're a totally different person. But they're trying to push this as a real photo. So again, I have no problem with his tweeting because he's he's putting things out there that otherwise a majority of people would not ever see or get reference to. Not everybody follows Fox News. I'm not as big of a Fox News fan as I used to be. There are several journalists there that I do not like at all. You could see some of the things that they talk about. They're just doing it to try to get you know hits. I mean, I talked about clickbait on Breakfast with Blasi this past Wednesday about things in wrestling that are just so much clickbait now because it's like the only way you could get people to click on your link because there's thousands of others trying to do the same story or listen to your podcast. You look at podcasts out there. I talked about it in wrestling. I'm not going to single out anybody individually, but since so many of you are wrestling fans, I mean, you know the story about Paige. How many podcasts out there that says Paige's WWE in-ring career is over? They actually wrote in the title, Paige's career comes to an end. And they did that so fucking carelessly. And look, could a career be over? Yes, could very well be. But because of a website that posted an article with no actual medical confirmation or source or anything like that, that's what you write as a title of your podcast. People that, could think that they're respectable. That is pussy clickbait bullshit. And the funny thing is, is yesterday I saw a news story on TV talking about how so many of these news organizations now focus on clickbait. That is going to be the word by the end of 2018. 
You know, every year they talk about words that are unpopular or words you just don't want to hear anymore. I will bet you anything you want to bet, but by the end of 2018, clickbait will be one of the words that are going to be on the list. You mark my words on that. I guarantee you. But it is what it is. And, you know, what are we going to do? But obviously these are big news stories. So obviously I got to talk about it. But we could get into more positive stories, right? You know, I saw this yesterday and it brought a little tear to my eye. It really did, especially after what happened to me in my office yesterday. To read this last night after I came home from the hospital, I'm like, ah, this is actually nice. For those that don't know, you know, uh, Michael Sorrentino, who you knew is the situation on Jersey Shore, uh, on Friday in Newark, he pleaded guilty to tax evasion. He faces up to five years in jail. His uh, brother faces up to three years in jail for aiding in the preparation of false tax returns. He uh, he cheated on his taxes. He owes, I don't know how many millions of dollars in taxes, but uh, he uh, faced, they both faced $250,000 fines on top of it. He got all this money from Jersey Shore, and he not only lied on his taxes, but he actually looked up ways to, you know, stay under the radar as far as taxes go into, you know, just commit fraud. And one of the ways that keeps you off the radar with IRS is to put in small bank deposits. I I don't know if a lot of you even know this, but you never recommended to put anything above $10,000 in your bank account as far as a deposit. All right, because, you know, it, you have to, it gets looked at. It, it, and I have a customer, I kid you not. I have a customer that bought a house, oh, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago. Um, had no mortgage, had no mortgage on the house whatsoever. And, and about a year ago, and he, he's a good friend of mine as well, he ran into some money problems. So he wanted to take out a small mortgage on his house. I think it was like a $100,000 mortgage. And um, I had to get him, you know, uh, updated insurance certificates, adding the mortgagee as an additional insured in case there's ever a claim and this is an that. And, you know, I remember adding the bank to the policy, giving him the updated certificates, giving him a paid receipt. And about a month later, I, I saw him and I said, hey, how did everything go with the closing? And he says, no, nah, I'm having a lot of problems. I said, for what? He said the, the bank he looked at his bank records and he had a couple of bank deposits that were like 12 grand, 22 grand, 25 grand over the last like five years. And they want to know what these large bank deposits were for. And, you know, I didn't ask him where, you know, what the money was from and this, this and that. I have no idea. I know he doesn't do anything illegal, but because he didn't have the proof to furnish where that $22,000 came from. It's it's not, his credit is, per, it's, well, not perfect. His credit is excellent. He got approved for the mortgage. He got insurance. He's got, uh, the, the, the house is worth 800 grand. So he's got the collateral and everything else. But because the bank just checked out his financial history and saw a couple of deposits over $10,000, they want to know in detail with proof why those deposits were made. And because he didn't have that proof, they held up the closing. Now, I think by now that's all been resolved, but 
deposits above $10,000, they do get notice at the IRS. So he was intentionally putting small deposits in his bank account, try to stay under the radar. So, you know, anybody that doesn't know, I mean, I despise the Jersey Shore. I, and I know I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because anybody that is on my personal Facebook page, yes, I have two pages. Or if you go on my Twitter and look at old photos on my Twitter, I did post a photo there of, of a retro Don Tony from me in 1990. And you see me with the wife beater shirt on. I know it's a horrible term to use, but you know, it's the white tank top. I have the Christ head on. My hair is slick, pasted back. I'm wearing two-tone jeans, the Playboy decks, and I look exactly like those Jersey Shore rejects. And when Jersey Shore came out, you know, a lot of us, and not just New York, I'm sure the states were like, we were fucking Jersey Shore 20 years ago, before 20 years before Jersey Shore was even Jersey Shore. They were just pieces of shit, in my honest opinion. I hated Jersey Shore. I don't wish death on any of them. I just despised that show. Uh, of all my years, I, I would rather watch fucking Don Lemon on CNN or fucking MSNBC all day long. I would watch hours and hours of bashing Trump before I would watch Jersey Shore. I fucking hated that show. I hated the people there. I used to go to clubs and deal with assholes like that. And, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad he got what's coming to him. So now when he goes to jail, it'll be Jim, Tan, and prison. So fuck him. Fuck him. Other uh, criminal news, and I, I don't know this guy's work, and I'm not criticizing him, but I know some of you out there, will know who this guy is. And I'm mentioning it because he is a, a, a rapper and he does have quite a bit of notoriety on it, on himself. But rapper Kodak Black um, was arrested in Florida Thursday on seven felony counts. The, uh, grand theft of a firearm, child neglect, possession of marijuana, two counts of possession of a weapon by a felon, two counts of probation violation. And the thing that was interesting about it was that I read that he was live streaming online when he got arrested, that you could actually hear audio in the background that they were seizing his phone and he was bitching that that's an $800 phone and like, we don't care, we're taking it anyway. So they, he was actually live streaming on Instagram while he was being arrested. There's no video, but you actually could hear the cops there and him being arrested and it's pretty messed up, but, you know, I'm looking at this news article just to give you an idea is some of the shit that this guy did. In October, he was indicted by a South Carolina grand jury on charges of first degree criminal sexual assault stemmed from a November 2016 incident where he assaulted a teenage girl at a hotel after his concert at a nightclub. Girl first reported the assault to uh, a school nurse, and then it went to the police department. He was released on $100,000 bond, which is a lot, you know. He recently completed an anger management program, but then uh, he had the the other charges, armed robbery, false imprisonment, possession of a firearm, uh, attempting to flee law enforcement. So he's got a, some big-time problems coming his way. But, you know, since we're talking about 
music, and we talk, I talked about dealing with Jersey Shore-like assholes in the nightclubs and stuff like that. I saw this article this week. You might get a kick out of. And yes, I'll talk about the incident in my office in a moment. Um, MSN has an interview up with the former owner of Studio 54, Ian Schrager. And I have talked over the years, having a fake ID, being able to go to clubs in the mid-80s as, you know, a teenager and having the opportunity to go to Paradise Garage once. There were a lot of clubs that I went to only once. Went to the Copacabana once. Limelight once. Studio 54 once. Paradise Garage once. One time, somebody invited me and my friends to go to the loft, but we did not go, and honestly, because the loft was pretty much all gay. And I have nothing against gays, but... In, in fact, the fact, you know, just the fact that I went to the Paradise Garage would be a good example of that. You know, I did not feel uncomfortable going to a club that had a lot of homosexuals in it. It was a club where everybody just got along. It had such an awesome atmosphere. But I never, ever thought about going to a club that was directed to gay only. But um, I had the opportunity to go to Studio 54 once. It was 1986. I can't remember if it was the Cover Girls or Naomi that performed there that night. But I remember one of the uh, the artists performed there. By 1986, Studio 54 was pretty much done. The aura about it was gone. I don't remember ever seeing anybody famous when I went that one night. It's not like what you see portrayed on TV with the big sun and the spoon with the cocaine and people dancing topless and people banging in the bathroom and stuff like that. That was late 70s. You know, the 70s is when all that shit went down. By 86, it was much different atmosphere. Um, but they talked in this interview with Ian Schrager about celebrities that used to go to Studio 54. And he did bring up Donald Trump. And he said that all he remembers, Donald Trump always just hanging out, having a drink, never saw him dance. So, you know, if if you're into like classic like, clubs and you just want to read about some other actors and actresses go check it out but uh it was a really cool article it brought back memories for me and if anybody's gonna ask me of all of the clubs that i ever went to in and around the city area like what was my favorite because i went to clubs near my house brooklyn went to jersey a couple of times which honestly i never liked the only memory i ever have in jersey of going to a club was going with my i was in high school at the time and i remember we went and uh it was like seven or eight of us we went to this club and it was 18 to party 21 to drink now i had fake id others had fake id so we were able to to drink and stuff like that but i remember this one guy Juan, that we went to school with he did not have id so he couldn't drink and we were going to like buy him a drink and just sneak it to him. But, you know, we ended up not doing it because, one, we didn't want to get caught and thrown out of the club. But him, he said that he was going to get it on his own. So what happened was one of my friends decided, you know what? I'm going to buy him drinks, but I'm going to buy him Old Duels, which is non-alcoholic beer. So he's giving him Old Duels like two, three times during the night. And we're there, we're hanging out, and my friend Juan starts dancing and acting goofy. He's like, oh, I feel buzzed, this, this, and that. He fucking thought he was drunk, and he was drinking non-alcoholic beer. Kid you not. That is my only memory about going to a club in Jersey back in the day. But of all the clubs that I went to back then, 
the fun house by far was my favorite. You know, the the amount of break dancing that would go on in that club was just unreal. I tried to break dance way back when. Yeah, I talked about it before, hanging out in Woodhaven, Queens with my friends. In front of my friend's house, we would take egg boxes or furniture boxes, and we would cut them up and we would put it on the floor so you have these big, giant pieces of cardboard on the floor so you can have, like, uh, so you could spin, really. So, you know, you didn't want to fucking try to do spinning and break dancing on fucking concrete. You didn't want to do it in grass because it ruined your clothes. So we would put cardboard boxes on the floor and we would spin and try to break dance and stuff like that. And uh, I looked horrendous. I remember up rocking with my friend and I remember these girls that used to live on the, on the block used to laugh at us. And, you know, it wasn't a laugh like, you know, oh, we're just laughing. Ha, ah, how cute, goofy. No, they were like, wow, you look stupid. And I, and I kind of like gave me a little bit of a complex and ever since the Papagallo incident in like 1989, I never danced ever again. I will not dance. I go to weddings with my girlfriend and she's like, please, let's just dance. I'll do a slow dance, but I won't dance. I have not danced since 1989. I will never dance again. <laughs> Even if I'm pissed drunk, I'll never dance again. You know, speaking of music, since we're on the topic, I'll mention it. You know, it's fucked up. It really is. I mean, more and more people that are dying, uh, you know, just like not out of the ordinary, you know, people that live in their 70s and 80s, God bless them. But, you know, even the 60s, sometimes it's just somebody's time to go. But you hear more and more about fentanyl and drug overdoses. And we found out yesterday that Tom Petty's cause of death was a massive drug overdose. They And, you know, look, I'm not going to criticize the family. You know, the family came out and they issued a press release yesterday and they talked about all these major injuries that he had, fractured hip, this, this, and that. And he was, you know, obviously over-medicating himself to compensate, but he still wanted to perform for his fans and this, this, and that. The thing is, is I don't know if the family members knew of the amount of medication he was taking prior to his death. Um, so I'm not going to criticize them, but you know, you look at it and you look at the articles when he first died and it was, you know, cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest, no other ailments, cardiac arrest. And everybody paid tribute and, you know, like, wow, shocking death came out of nowhere, this and that. Now you realize that he was taking oxycodone, fentanyl. Tamazepam, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Tamazepam, excuse me. Xanax, Celexa, uh, uh, some other form of, well, actually, two, two or three different forms of fentanyl, oxycodone, Tamazepam, Xanax, and Celexa. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to see articles of the doctor being checked, checked out or investigated because how do you prescribe someone that many types of medication? Now, I know some of you out there are going to say, well, maybe, you know, they prescribed this one first and he felt it didn't work, so they prescribed him this one instead and it didn't work. So, but, you know, if this guy was seriously over-medicating himself, some tells me that, yeah, number one, if he got prescribed, let's say, uh, uh, tamazepam, 
See, I keep saying the word now because I know I said it right. I don't know if they've ever taken the tamazepam. I'm not sure exactly what the form of that is. But let's say he took that, all right, and it didn't really help all that much. Some tells me you're not going to just take one or two pills and then say it doesn't help anymore. You're going to take it, and if it doesn't work as strong, you might take more of it. And then you got oxycodone, which is, you know, serious shit. I've talked about oxycodone. I take it once in a while. You know, and it's something that you got to be so careful about because if you chew it, you can fucking drop dead on it because it's supposed to be time release. Xanax, I mean, you already know the Xanax stories. And then you add in fentanyl. Fentanyl is the drug right now that you hear the most with overdoses. So I want to hear, you know, a little bit more about this doctor for prescribing him fentanyl, oxycodone, and Xanax. Those three itself it's, something's up there, man. And I, you haven't seen any article. I'm, and I'm not even, you know, gonna saying I'm accusing the doctor of doing anything wrong. But when you have that many different drugs and you have this crazy amount of pain, you're not going to just take one here and one there and then decide one day you're going to take them all together because they all of that was in a system. It's not like they found those bottles by his, his the side of his bed. All of that was in his system. Well, that's what's being reported. So, you know, to have all of those different medications all at the same time, I don't know, man. I got to be honest with you. I I think somebody needs to be investigated for that. Ah, all right. Let me tell everybody what happened yesterday. You want a good laugh? There's video of it online. I posted the video because I'm okay now. And I figured you get a good laugh about it. See, back in December of 2015, I fell off a ladder in my office. I ironically had just put in security cameras. And I had put in the camera, when you first walk into my office, that shows the camera going, you know, the camera's placed right at the beginning of my office and you could see it going towards the back. So you could see somebody walking in, sitting at my desk, you know, there's a, there's a lot of area that it covers. Then I wanted to add a second security camera that would uh, direct be focused the opposite way. I wanted a second camera that would show starting from my desk area out. So this way, if somebody showed up and I wasn't there, I could see who stopped by my office, by the door. If anybody, you know, puts any shit outside my door or leaves something or something goes wrong, I could see outside my office. So I put the first camera in and long story short, I'm in the back of my office trying to install the second camera and I wanted to conceal the wires because I figured if anybody comes in to ever try to rob me, you know, if all the wires are exposed, they could just yank the wires down and then my cameras are off and that's the end of it. So I wanted to put the wiring inside the ceiling. So I climbed up this old wooden ladder and my body was halfway inside my ceiling. I was in the ceiling running the wires and right next to me is a TV that I had where I taught defensive driver classes. So the end result is, is I lost my balance. I started falling back and I tried to grab onto the TV to stop my fall didn't realize that back in 1996 or 1998, excuse me, when we first put the TV in, that I never bolted the TV or put any straps or anything against the wall to prevent it from falling. 
So when I grab the TV, I'm falling back and the TV's falling back with me. And when you watch the video online, it's got sound. You hear that explosion. That's the TV. If that's one of those old tube TVs, if that would have landed on my head or on me, it would have killed me instantly. So it was scary. And I had pain in my arm and I went to a a hospital for an x-ray, but I never got any MRI done. I waited a year and a half to get an MRI and a CAT scan done because I was in so much pain. And it ended up that I had torn my labrum, torn my bicep, and torn my rotator cuff. And I lived with the pain for a year and a half. I should have got that shit checked out immediately. But it was a good laugh. I shared it with everyone. The video's there. Why not show everyone? So I posted the video. And people get a good kick out of it. They get a good laugh. They laugh at the dance music that's playing in the background. They see the two women that it was so loud that two women down the hall came in to see if I was okay. You see me holding my arm, and the haters absolutely loved it. The haters probably uh, had an orgasm watching yours truly fall off a ladder from 12 feet high, maybe even higher than that, 15 feet high. 15 feet high. So anyway, yesterday I decided to top that. And what happened was a customer came into my office last week, old man, about 75, 80 years old. He's got insurance with me. So he sees that I have a paper shredder and he says to me, look, um, you know, can you stop by my house and maybe help me? I got a problem with my paper shredder. So I'm like, what happened? He says, I think I put too many papers in there and it got jammed. And I was like, well, there should be a reverse button on your your shredder that, you know, reverses the paper out. He says, no matter what I do, you know, if I put it in reverse, if I put it straight, it won't come out. I've tried to take it out with a knife, but I'm afraid I'm going to cut myself and this and that. So my first reaction was, oh, so you want me to cut myself? So I said to him, I said, yeah, look, you know, you know, I'll try to pass by. It's like, or if you want, you know, next time you stop in, bring the shredder in, bring the top piece and I'll take a look at it. So sure enough, guy walks into my office yesterday with the fucking paper shredder. You know, this guy's almost 80 years old. And I'm like, looking at the shredder. My first reaction was throw that shit away. It was like a cheap $30 paper shredder. And he's fucking making a big deal about it. But I wanted to be nice. I'm always, you know, going out of my way for my customers in the area. So I was like, let me help him. So I have the paper shredder by my desk. I see that this paper all caked in it. So I thought, okay, this is what I'll do. I have like, um, you know, it's almost like a pair of scissors, but it's like the thing you open envelopes with. So I'm, you know, like uh, stabbing the paper, prying it out. And then I have the canned air. It's the air that you use, you know, to blow like dust out of your computer and stuff like that. I have the canned air. So I'm like, okay, I'll loosen up some of the paper. I'll shoot some canned air in there. And then I'll plug it in. I'll hit the reverse button and loosen up the paper a little more. So I did this a couple of times and it was working out well. I actually loosened up and got rid of about half of the paper. So then I did, I had a brain cramp. There's no other way I could describe it. And you actually could see the footage and you could listen to it because there is audio too. You see me take the air, the canned air, and I'm spraying inside the shredder. I put the shredder on the pail because the shredder won't turn on unless it's sitting on the pail because of the sensor. And I turn the shredder on. And as the shredder is on, I'm spraying this air inside the shredder, spraying and spraying and spraying and spraying. And all of a sudden, boom, 
and you need to watch the video when I say that, because you actually hear this boom, but you don't see anything. All right. You hear this boom. And what happened in hindsight was that this gas caught fire. I never knew that this canned air is flammable. There is a gas that's obviously in there because it's compressed, but the thing caught fire. And when you hear that first pop, if you're looking at the camera, you don't see any fire for a minute. What that was, was all of that gas exploded and went back into my face. So all of this gas went into my nose, my throat, my lungs, because I was breathing in when it happened. And when it it did that poof, I went like that. And I all these chemicals went in me. Then not even a second after this gigantic fucking fireball comes out of the shredder into my face. So there was a customer, a second customer that was standing right next to my cubicle waiting to give me money. So he's playing with his phone and he looks over and sees this big fireball go in my face. And I was just like startled for a minute. I unplugged it. The fire immediately went out. So I was like, all right, the fire is out. Then I realized I can't breathe. All of this fucking chemical from the gas being lit up and blowing it, blowing up in my face. I can't breathe. I start coughing. I'm holding my chest. You see it on the video. And I'm just like sitting there frozen. Now, I edited the video after like 53 seconds. Because if I would have put it longer, I wouldn't have been able to put it on Twitter and other places. I want to keep it brief. But number one, we threw that fucking shredder out. And number two... You know, later on, about a half hour later, I got a headache. I'm coughing like this phlegm. You know, I just smell this chemical in the air. So I ended up going to the hospital yesterday. And uh, I brought the can there with me so they could see what, you know, actually I ingested. And, you know, they gave me like these two pills to take. And, you know, they asked me if I felt nauseous or this and that. And they're like, look, if you have any dizziness or fainting or, you know, any, your headache continues, you know, come right back to the hospital. I was there for like two and a half hours. But um, apparently I'm okay today. As far as the fireball itself, I burned a little bit of my hair. And I'm so pissed off because I, like I said at the beginning of the show, when I said, I swear on my mother. I got a haircut this week because I had to go to a funeral and my uncle Ken had died. Um, so I needed to get a haircut. And I went to my friend that I've been going to for over 20 years. He cut my hair and I swear on a stack of Bibles. When I walked out of his place on Tuesday, I said, you know, of all of the years that I've been going to him today was the best haircut I've ever got. I don't know why, but I just absolutely loved the way he cut my hair. And I didn't cut it any different. I just had, just everything just looked perfect. I don't know what it was, but it just looked great. And now go figure three days late, two days, yeah, three days later, fucking part of my hair on the right side of my face got burnt, got scorched. My eyebrow got slightly scorched. The fireball for the most part hit my chin and got around my nose area. But, you know, as far as getting hair burnt, it was just the corner of my head. But I was like, fuck, man. I just, just swear to God, just said I had the best haircut I've gotten in 20 years and it fucking got scorched. But um, thank God I was wearing my reading glasses because if that shit would have went into my eyes, oh my God, I would have definitely 
would have had to have gotten rushed to the hospital right then and there. But although this is going to, and I posted the video for a laugh, I'm okay now, but I want everybody to remember this story for one reason, if anything. I have used canned air, I can't remember, you know, maybe 20 years at least. I use it to blow out the dust in my computer. I use it, obviously, for the keyboard, you know, to take any little particles out of there. You use it for various things. I've even, in my car, my engine, I've sprayed the air if there's, like, little leaf particles and stuff like that. But I never knew that this ship was flammable. And the scary thing about it was when you look at the can, and I could post a picture of the can online, you don't see any flammable warning right away. So I never thought the shit was flammable. And after that, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, how many times have you maybe opened up your computer, you know, turned the fan on inside the computer, and you're spraying the can there with the fan on. This way it blows the dust out of the thing. And now I'm thinking to myself, that shit could fucking catch fire and burn out my computer. So for everybody out there, if you ever are going to use canned air on an electrical appliance or anything with gas, you know, even my car engine, I'm not fucking spraying that shit with the car engine running. Could you? No, because there is electrical under the hood. To anything electrical, especially, make sure the stuff is unplugged. Spray it. I know some people, if you spray the air too much, it feel, looks like a little bit of condensation is coming out of it. Let that shit dry completely before plugging in your appliance. Because look, when you see that video, I'm telling you, man, that fireball was pretty damn impressive, but it was not fun. And that shit happened to me yesterday. So go check it out. If you want a good laugh, you know, look, because I'm okay now, I could laugh at it too, but scary, 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 scary shit. And if you realize the same security camera that caught me falling off the ladder, ah, just some, some random, I figured some of you may want to know this. Uh, Amazon is raising the price of their monthly prime membership by 20%. Uh, if you buy the prime membership annually, like I do, there's no increase. It is still $99 a year. But previously, their uh, monthly membership was $10.99. It is now going up to $12.99. If you, a, if you are a qualifying college student, uh, the increase goes from $5.49 to $6.49. And uh, they also said that their $5.99 a month prime membership for low-income people who receive government assistance is not affected. So that $5.99 price is still the same. I figured I'd share with everyone. Remember my Super Bowl predictions earlier, uh, way back when? I predicted the Vikings versus the Patriots. Well, this weekend is the AFC and NFC Championship games. The Vikings are still in it, and so are the Patriots. Now, there's a lot of controversy because Tom Brady, he's got injury to his hand, and there were reports yesterday that his hand was bloodied and all this other shit. I still think the guy's going to have a crazy game. 
So I'm sticking to my original prediction, Vikings versus the Patriots. And, uh, you know, I did say I'm going to stick with, you know, the previous winner uh, for many years, the, the Patriots. But this might be the last year where the Patriots, look, Patriots lost to the Giants too. I mean, that game was fucking awesome. But who and I and I remember talking to this chick that I had met online, and we started like having like serious conversation the night that the Giants won the Super Bowl. I, it's funny, just you know the emails that we exchanged at that time. Like we were so happy the Giants won because she was a Giants fan too. Oh, let's go out. Then I realized how crazy of a fucking bitch that she was, and she wanted to remain friends. And I swear on a stack of Bibles, I said to her, I'm like, honey, no, 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 I I don't keep you know, ex-girlfriends or people I dated as friends, even though I do have a few, you know, online on Facebook that I have talked to over the years and I'm happy to see them well, but I'm like, you see me on the street, look the other way. Don't fucking talk to me. She was just a whack job, but I had met her through someone else. Like her family knows my family and this and that, but man, she was a whack job. We, in fact, just this proof, you know, every time I tell a story, something happens. I know I've said this before. I always back it up with proof because it's just disgusting and just sad to see the amount of people that I come across online that will tell you like these ridiculously like crazy stories about their lives, things that they rescued, things that they did. And yeah, no, I have friends and, you know, podcasts that have done, you know, things for real. You see a lot of people out there do it for attention. They never back it up. You know, so me, I always try to back it up. If any of you out there remember when you used to be on my personal Facebook page, I took a picture of being at the old Shea Stadium for a Met game. And it was, you know, what the, what the Mets were doing back then, they were counting down the number of days that they would still be at Shea Stadium. And there's no way I could finagle the story. If you look it up, it's, it's, it's true. And you saw my video there, and I'm sure I still got the video saved somewhere so I could play it if you want. Um, so they would have like a number in like left center field and the number would represent how many days left that they're playing at Chase Stadium and somebody who was ever famous for that number as a Met for the most part would come out. Now, obviously some numbers, there was no way to bring someone out there because, you know, Casey Stengel's dead. So who's going to come out for number 37? So I don't remember who came out for some of the numbers, but the day I went, was the day that they were counting down to number 17. Keith Hernandez was in the outfield, and I remember he pulled the thing off and it revealed 17, and I remember him tapping the wall a couple of times with his hand, and it was cool because I Keith is one of my favorite players of all time, and the guy is just, he, he should have been in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's borderline, obviously, he shouldn't have been first ballot, but because of his defense and being a leader and he was so clutch, that guy, if they're going to put in Jack Morrison now, it's not, I think Keith Hernandez should seriously be considered. But I remember going to that game, I think Carlos Beltran had hit two home runs and Aaron Heilman, I hate one of the most hated Mets of all time, I think blew to save and gave up home runs. And I had box seats right behind home plate I was two rows away from the from the field. And I was shooting video with my camera and the girl that I'm talking about was with me. And I was to explain to her like how horrible Aaron Heilman is and this, this and that. 
And I shot this video of him being taken out of the game and the fans booing the shit out of this motherfucker. And, you know, you hear me talking to her and she's laughing. She's like, you suck and this and that. So, uh, yeah, but, um, oh, she was such a whack job. Now, before I wrap up today's episode with a little story that will probably spark some discussion, I just want to share one more thing baseball-related. We all know that Roy Halladay, uh, tragically died in a plane crash in Florida late last year. Well, the autopsy uh, was released yesterday, and it ends up that Roy Halladay had evidence of amphetamines, morphine, and an insomnia drug in his system when he died. Now, they didn't talk about the levels of this medication in his body, but morphine, if it... I don't look, he could have taken it the night before for all we know, but I want to know how much of these medications were in the system, because if this guy could have been impaired in some way because of these medications, I mean, again, you know, it's everybody obviously takes medications. All right. Everybody. I I know that's very rare that you find, find someone that doesn't take anything whatsoever, but in this day and age, whether it's blood pressure or to help sleep or cholesterol or triglycerides or sexual stuff or this or that, it seems like almost everybody's on something. But, you know, it's amazing how many people who have died doesn't mean that they're an addict, doesn't mean that they're abusing it. But I'm curious when you see someone have an accident, you remember Jose Fernandez when he died? I, I got choked up. I got, actually cried a little. You know, I he was just a, such a likable guy. And then you find out about, you know, the cocaine and other stuff. It's like, man, Jesus. So now you hear about Roy Halliday in a plane crash. And uh, I'm curious, you know, wh- what levels of this medication was in his system? You know, but again, it doesn't mean that he was doing anything illegally. He might have taken it the night before, for all we know. But I don't know. You hear that plane crash, you know, it's fucked up man so i'm gonna leave everybody with a little controversial story something that is being reported in the uk and i bring it up today because of the update that was posted yesterday the 19th of january and if you want to go on twitter and just type the name joshua sutcliffe in the search box and just click latest you'll see the latest tweet that was posted about the story and i got a be honest with you. I must have scrolled through about 300 responses to people within the United States, overseas, the UK, talking about this story, whether they were supportive of Joshua or against him, didn't matter. But I was just blown away at the ignorance of and the hatred that was being posted towards Joshua Sutcliffe. And there was one thing that was so glaringly absent that I'm not going to lie to you. I don't recall something being written, what I'm going to say later, even once. And I'm like, wow, this is like a perfect example of what's going on in society today. Now, here's what happened. It has to do with transgenders. Joshua Sutcliffe, if you read the articles online, He's a 27-year-old teacher in the UK. 
And he is now no longer part of a school, and he is suing the school for, you know, the way he was treated. Now, so far as you hear this story, you're wondering what did he do? In November, now I should also add that they note he teaches children between the ages of 11 and 18. Now, the one thing about this story is, number one, I cannot find anywhere the age of the person that's involved. All right. I don't need to know the person's name. That's kept anonymous because it's a child. But I want to know if the person is age 11 or 12 or if he's more 17 or 18. I think it's a big difference when I tell you the story. Now, I asked a few people that live in the UK, you know, if they can find the age. And I had two people tell me that uh, the kid was 12. But I can't verify it online, so I'm still trying to find find out about this. Now, here's the thing. If you read the articles online, what you find out so far is the teacher's name is Joshua Sutcliffe, 27-year-old, teaching students between the ages of 11 and 18. Back in November, two of his students had done something positive in his class. And he said, well done, girls. Now, it ends up, that one of these two students is transgender. It's a girl who feels that she's a boy, okay? So when he said, well done, girls, the girl who now identifies herself as a boy got upset, got offended. So the girl tells the, well, the boy tells the parents, the girl identifying herself as a boy tells the parents, They do an investigation. This happened, I think, in the beginning of November. And they end up suspending the teacher because he misgendered the student. Now, now after that, this teacher was mistreated by the school. They accused him of disciplining this student excessively, which proved to be false, even though if you... Read on social media, he's being accused of this left and right, even though it's been proven. They had hearing, it's proven false. And the school has, as they quote, systematically and maliciously breached his rights as a result. They basically harassed this guy. And as a result, it, it became impossible for him to continue teaching at that school. And now he's suing the school. Now, what I have left out that you won't find on social media is some pretty stark pieces of information that everybody is conveniently ignored in this story. This teacher, Joshua Sutcliffe, happens to be a Christian pastor at the Christ Revelation Church in Oxford. He is a Christian pastor. He has expressed repeatedly that He doesn't believe in someone that young with transgender and this, this, and that, that he believes that, you know, God created you, this, this, and that. Okay. I don't disagree with his view on that. But the thing is, is that he has said how he handled it after that was he avoided the use of gender-specific pronouns and just re- refer to the pupils by name. But that's not good enough. 
because it is against his belief, even though he went out of his way to not call this student a boy or a girl and instead by name, he was treating the student differently. Everybody is lambasting this guy for the most part online. And it's mind-blowing that everybody, 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 I haven't read once, everybody is, is leaving out the fact that he's a Christian pastor at a church. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever read the Bible from cover to cover, but in the Bible, it is pretty blunt that God created man, God created woman. There's areas in the Bible that talks about how women must not wear men's clothes, men must not wear women's clothes, everyone who does such a thing is detestable to the Lord, and it doesn't necessarily talk about sexuality and gender in the Bible. But it's pretty point blank that God's plan was to create man and woman, woman, you know, joins with the man, and that's it. Now, if... A, a female identifies herself as a male and then, let's say, dates another female. So it's a female and a female. Or if you do the opposite, you have a male that identifies himself as a female and then he, who is now a she, dates another male. Even though they may identify themselves as the opposite sex in their mind, in their heart, that still could be labeled as homosexuality. And if you look online, there is a website, uh, churchleaders.com, and they actually interviewed 12 well-known pastors and leaders and asked them point blank if homosexuality is a sin. And, you know, some of the names are pretty well-known and revealing. For, For example, Joel Osteen, He states that the Bible calls the practice of homosexuality a sin. And in the clip that's on there, he tries to change the conversation. Rick Warren stays strong on his biblical stance that homosexuality is a sin. Tim Keller offers a response that we should love our neighbors, whether they come from different religions or different sexual orientations, but he calls homosexuality a sin. Franklin Graham stays strong on the fact that God defines marriage, not government. Kirk Cameron, we we don't know him from television, but he obviously is, is very religious. He believes that marriage was defined by God and homosexuality is a sin. You see the pattern? So I could go on and on and on. Carl Lentz, John MacArthur, Tony Evans, They all classify homosexuality as a sin. Now, again, if you're a man and you identify yourself as a woman and you have relations with a man, that's still looked at in the church as homosexuality. Now, in my honest opinion of all of this, is that we all sin. Any of us who have had sex before marriage, you could call it a sin. We have all sinned in our lives. And I personally feel that the problem with what I'm reading in social media and the problem that I'm reading online with this, 
whether you are supportive of Pastor Sutcliffe or you're against him, is that Jesus came to seek and save the sinners. We're all sexual sinners who needs heaven's grace, heaven's forgiveness. All right. And all discussions, all actions must be rooted in love. Sin does occur. And you may not agree with someone who is transgender or even homosexual. But there's an enormous difference between the political aspects of this culture war and the fact that there's a reality that the people who struggle with this transgender, you know, it's a struggle. It's an emotional and physical struggle. You know, it's their identity. And we all need to understand that, yes, in the Bible, homosexuality is a sin. Yes, if you go by so many religious pastors, priests, cardinals, whoever, they believe homosexuality is a sin. Now, are you going to berate all of those pastors because that is their belief? That pastor, Sutcliffe, also believed in the Bible. He was a Christian pastor. Nobody stopped to take a step back and say, okay, he is going by the Bible. He does not agree with transgender, especially with young people. But what he needs to do is he needs to also understand the person who is struggling, show love. And at the same time, people need to show back at this pastor that whether you, even though you may disagree with his Christian views, it's got to be rooted in love. And again, this guy is a Christian pastor believing in his Christian views. And even with that, he was forced out of the school and now he's suing the school. So it's an interesting discussion. I mean, it's a very difficult discussion to have. But this goes back to what I say repeatedly over the years, whether we're talking wrestling or we're talking about something serious like this. You know, we can agree to disagree. We have different views, different ways about how we go about life, different religious beliefs. And yours may be different than mine. Mine may be different than that pastor. That pastor may be different than that student, that student's family. But at the end of the day, we need to respect each other. We need to understand. We need to try to show love and uh, just, just it's, What's going on is just terrible. It is just absolutely terrible. And I read the story. And again, I wouldn't have even mentioned this story until it really came to its conclusion if it wasn't for the repeated, this total ignorance and bashing that is being put online because of this teacher. And it just amazed the shit out of me that every person who is on social media bashing this guy never ever mentioned that he was a Christian pastor, never ever took into account that this is his religious belief. And even though you may disagree with it, you know, you have to, it's not your way or the highway. So I think everybody on in every all aspects of this situation needs to show a little bit more love and compassion on everybody involved. And uh, with that said, I'm done. I think uh, 
you know, we had a decent show today. You know, keep in mind, I'm not complaining in any way, but I did the Don Tony and Kevin Cow show on Monday, did Breakfast with Blasi on Wednesday, and doing blah, blah, blah today. So to record five to six hours of programming in five days is not that easy without repeating stuff over and over again. But, uh, hey, we seem to be able to do it. I hope you enjoy it. But don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. The website, DonTony.com, Facebook.com slash DTKC show. And don't forget the video of the fireball incident is there. And if you like what we do and you can't get enough of it, or if you want to help us keep the bills and keep the lights on, consider checking out our Patreon page. It is Patreon.com slash DonTony. Very tight-knit family there, very close family. And we have such uh, cool Patreon-exclusive content there. Every other week, you got Breakfast Soup, which is hosted by yours truly, and Mish. Every other week, you have Kevin Castle doing his solo show, Castle Chronicles. Every other week, you have Kev and his friend Trez doing Dark Chronicles, which is, you know, lighthearted conversation about news, music, pop culture, movies, stuff like that. A little wrestling mixed in. We have contests up there, giveaways. There's two giveaway contests going on right now. And lots of other stuff. You get the opportunity to interact with us directly, send in content for this show and others, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So consider checking it out, patreon.com slash Don Tony. For as little as five bucks, you get access to everything. And that may not sound like a lot, but when a whole bunch of you do it at the same time, it really does help us pay the bills and keep the lights on. So with that said, I am out of here. Everyone enjoy the rest of the week. Definitely send your feedback, and I will be back with your next edition of Blah, Blah, Blah in two weeks. That'll be Saturday, February 3rd. Take care, everyone. Be well. Ciao. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com.